A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And a reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thank you, Elizabeth. The word has been proclaimed, interpreted through beautiful music. Let us be together in a time of prayer. Oh God, may your spirit be upon us this morning. Help us to hear the news of the gospel. Help us to be transformed by your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Excuse me. Can you recall a moment in your life when you were unexpectedly and profoundly filled with gratitude? Perhaps a moment when you wanted to kick off your shoes and jump up and down and do the happy dance. A moment when you wanted to stand on the rooftop and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. And maybe when you look back on that moment, you realize you weren't shouting from a rooftop, but it was only a whisper deep within your heart that said, thank you, God. But no matter if you said it out loud or you spoke it quietly to yourself, the experience was one where you felt yourself to be transformed by the experience of gratitude. And you realize in that moment that though the world had not changed, but your view of it had. I like to think that's the experience of this one leper who turns around, who's just been healed. That's what he was feeling inside himself on that day, that day that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, going through Samaria and Galilee. And he came to a town and there were 10 lepers in the town and they came up to him and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they're on their way to see the priest, the ten of them are healed. But only one of them turns around, goes back to Jesus, praises God with a loud voice, throws himself at Jesus' feet, and offers thanks. 
Now, when you think about that, you can imagine it wasn't like this person just felt like this obligation. Oh my God, I got to say thank you to Jesus because he just healed me. No, <laughs> there's a spirit of exuberance, of spontaneity, of celebration for what's just happened in his life. That he's been transformed by the grace of God. And this, my friends, if you hear nothing else today in the sermon, please hear this. Gratitude is always, always the response to having received grace in our lives. And the experience of receiving grace in our lives through gratitude is absolutely a transformative experience. We are changed. And so isn't it telling that when the one leper who's been healed throws himself at Jesus' feet, prostrating himself there, what does Jesus say to him Rise, get up, go on your way. Your faith, in other words, your gratitude has made you well. Can you think about those moments in our lives when we've been touched by God's grace and been filled with a sense of gratitude? We realize it comes in all different forms and ways that it happens to us that we feel and experience this sense of grace and you know I was thinking about I don't know about you but how many of us have like an old manila folder in our house or a box I mean I'm dating myself way before the computer <laughs> but it's filled with letters that you had received over the years maybe as a teacher a student or a parent had written you and said thank you and you know and so time to time you go out and you pull out those boxes of these old handwritten notes and you just have this sort of warm feeling bubbling up inside. A friend of mine, a dear friend, uh, who is a writer colleague of mine, her name is Mary Kay Fleming, and she just submitted an essay uh, that's been accepted by a publication about this very thing, about this act of going and retrieving old letters and rereading them again. Her, her essay is kind of a counterpoint to this movement, you know, this big movement afoot to declutter our lives. Some of you are familiar with Marie Kondo, you know, get rid of stuff, throw it away, just, just simplify, pare down. Her letter is kind of a counterpoint to that. She's kind of saying, yeah, maybe pare down, but don't throw away these old letters that can be so precious to reread them. Again, it's something that really is beautiful. So she writes an essay about her experience of retrieving these old handwritten yellowed notes and rereading them again and what impact it has upon her. And she writes in her essay as she reads these letters from people that have written to her over the years. One wrote to her and said, do you believe God puts people in our lives for a reason? A former student wrote, I do and I think he connected us because you have been a guiding light and a source of inspiration for me. What a beautiful letter. My most treasured card, she writes, come from, comes from one of my child's children's friends who spent a lot of time with our family. He wrote, you helped raise me, and I hope I make you proud. And she writes, he did and still does. She goes on to write, the cards I saved were handwritten, seeing and touching the distinctive script of the readers, the senders, 
inevitably smiling at the ones asking me to excuse their messy handwriting, renews my connection to a past and people I easily could have discounted, but now never will. As the poet John Donne observed, letters mingle souls. Now, my wife, Linda, is not a person prone to gushy sentimentality, but when, so then, when I receive a really lovely card from her, she gave me on Valentine's Day, saying, you are my rock, and I don't admit it often enough. You know what I do with that card? I put it right up on my dresser. So when I wake up in the morning and go to bed at night, there's that card, and I reread it. It's kind of like little rose petals falling from heaven. It's a little bit like this little note of grace, and I just feel filled with gratitude for it and for her. Now, friends, gratitude is not always so easy to come by. It's not easy for us. If we imagine ourselves as one of those lepers in the story that Jesus has encountered on his way to Jerusalem through Samaria and Galilee, we like to imagine we'd be the one of the ten that would turn around and give thanks to Jesus. We wouldn't forget to say thank you to Jesus. But the truth is, we may not be that one. And it's not always easy to be in a place in our lives where we feel indebted to another human being. Because it implies that we are the debtor. In fact, I've read, some research has shown, and this is true about men, and I'm, of course, a guy, that there is some gender disparity here, and that men, we as men, have a harder time expressing gratitude than women. And it may be because it's really hard for us to be hum humble in that way and admit that we are indebted to somebody else. You know, it's the rough, we can do it on our own. We don't need to thank anybody. So gratitude... The reason it's hard is because it implies a obligation. It implies an expectation that we have to return, we have to repay. There's a sense sometimes when we get something that is a quid pro quo. You get something, you've got to give something back. You get a gift, you've got to write a thank you note. How many of you grew up when your parents made you write thank you notes. Does anybody remember that? Oh, no, you see a show of hands. So I always remember in our family on Christmas Day, we're opening our presents and our mom is there with a notebook. Why? <laughs> because she wants to record every gift that we got from our aunt and her uncle and her grandmother, grandfather, which boy got which present because later that Christmas afternoon, she would cajole us into writing thank you notes. But I'll never forget because, you know, we'd get a present, say, and it usually was from our grandmother, and it was a hand-knit wool sweater. But it was really scratchy, and it was really geeky looking. And if we had to wear it, we looked like dorks. <laughs> so... That afternoon, we'd have to write the letter, and we'd say, Dear Grandmother, thank you for the lovely sweater. A lie. <laughs> and then we'd say, I wear it all the time. Another lie. Sometimes gratitude feels like that. It's a transaction. It's a quid pro quo. You gave me the gift. I've got to write you a thank you note. And it gets so bad that you almost wish that you didn't get any gifts. 
Because then you don't have to write any thank you notes. You're not indebted to somebody. You don't have to return a favor. Do you see how gratitude can become kind of a chore? Dorothy Parker once wrote, gratitude is the meanest and most sniveling attribute in the world. <laughs> so Mary Kay Fleming, back to her essay, writes this, and I think it's so profound. She writes in her essay, not a single card that I saved thanked me for a gift that I had purchased. No mention of wedding registries, baby clothes, or holiday presents. Instead, the cards only mention only our relationship and the roles we played in each other's lives. Gratitude as an expression and a response to the grace that we have received in our lives is what Mary Kay is talking about. So hold on to those letters, my friends. Now, I believe what the good Lord is telling us today, the still speaking God, that is, what God is telling us through these texts, this text about give thanks in all circumstances and the story of the leper and the one who was healed and turned around to give thanks, what God is telling us is that gratitude is not about earning brownie points. It's not about paving the way to the pearly gates. It's more about letting go of our pride and realizing just how much of our lives are this amazing gift. We're invited to be more like that enthusiastic foreigner, the leper who prostrated himself at Jesus' feet. You see, in this story, by emphasizing the fact that the one who turned around and gave thanks is the one that the people that heard the story would most be most distasteful to them. After all, he's a foreigner, and by the way, people in Israel didn't like Samaritans. So it's really hard when somebody you don't like is doing the very thing that God wants us to do. But that's how effective Jesus was in getting his point across. The spirit of the gospel. The spirit of what God is speaking to us, this still speaking God, is that our gratitude comes not as a way to earn brownie points to heaven, but as a response to the grace of God in our lives. And that's why Maya Angelou says this wonderful quote, let gratitude be the pillow upon which you need, which you kneel to say your nightly prayers. Let gratitude be the pillow upon which you kneel to say your nightly prayers. Isn't that beautiful? It's deeper. It's richer than a transaction. It's deeper and richer than saying, thank you for this box of chocolates. No. It's thank you for being you because you enriched my life. It's a spontaneous response to grace. Gratitude is the deep ability to embrace the gift of who we are, that we are, writes Diana Butler Bass, that in the multi-billion year history of the universe, each one of us has been born, that we are, that I exist, that you exist, that we're breathing, that we're here. Fundamental, radical way of understanding what gratitude truly is. Paul is writing to the church, to the Thessalonians. And the people that Paul's writing to, the first Thessalonians, life is tough for them. Life is a struggle. They're being persecuted all over the place. 
they've been promised that Jesus is going to return again, but they don't see any evidence of it. And so it's really a difficult time for them. And yet, what does Paul write in his letter to these wonderful people in the church? Just like maybe he'd be writing a letter to us today. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Wow. Not just in the good times. Not just when things are going really well and swimmingly. Not just when you're on top of the world. But even... In the hard times, give thanks. Even in the times when you have been kicked to the curb. Even in the times when you have been dissed and mistreated. When the world has treated you unfairly. Even then, give thanks to God. How can we do that? I think the answer is not because of the hard thing we give thanks to God. But through the hard thing we are able to find grace. Give thanks in all situations. And I say that with some trepidation because God knows it's been really tough for a lot of people and been treated very, very unfairly. And it's not always easy to turn around and give thanks in all circumstances. To be grateful in this way is hard spiritual work, writes Henry Nouwen. It's hard spiritual work to be grateful Not just when it's good, but when it's hard and it's tough. God is calling us in all circumstances to be grateful. You know, for me, no better example of this than Elie Wiesel. How many of you are familiar with Elie Wiesel? That rings a bell with some of you. And He was a Nobel Prize winner, was um, a survivor of Auschwitz, the Holocaust, written wonderful, amazing novels, died just a few years ago. He actually was in Auschwitz and lived through that experience, a concentration camp. His father died there, but he lived through it. He was 10 years old, and he wrote a book about it called Night, which is the most bracing book, one of the most bracing books I've ever read. So here's a man who's seen the darkest of humanity, who's seen evil and suffering, so much unfairness. Oprah Winfrey interviews Elie Wiesel and talks about gratitude. And she asked Elie Wiesel, do, despite all the tragedy of witness, do you have a place for gratitude, is what Oprah Winfrey asked Elie Wiesel. And you know what Elie Wiesel said? Absolutely. Right after the war, I went around telling people, thank you just for living, for being human. To this day, the words that come most frequently from my lips are thank you, When a person doesn't have gratitude, something is missing in his or her humanity. A person can almost be defined by his or her attitude toward gratitude. And then Oprah Winfrey asks him, does having seen the worst of humanity make you more grateful for ordinary occurrences? Having seen the worst of humanity, does it make you more grateful? How do you think he answered that? Here's what he said. For me, every hour is grace. Every hour is grace. And I feel gratitude in my heart each time I can meet someone and look at his or her smile. Every hour is grace. Friends, gratitude at the heart of it 
It's not about the obligatory thank you notes. It's not about brownie points trying to get ourselves into heaven or paving the way for the pearly gates. It's not any of that at all. It is the response, a human response that we have to God's grace poured out in our lives. Recognizing that it's just amazing that we are here, that we are alive. And recognizing that all of life is this amazing gift. It's this gift that we have for the short period of time that we are here. Our days are not unnumbered. So I invite you, friends, invite all of us, in the words of Maya Angelou, let gratitude be the pillow. Let gratitude be the pillow upon which you say not just your nightly prayers, but your morning prayers, your noon prayers, your sitting at the stoplight prayers, all of your prayers. Let gratitude be the pillow upon which you say your prayers. Thanks be to God. Amen.